0: Right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, um, this is a meeting, a joint meeting of the M- Middle East Centre LSE and the Society for Algerian Studies. Um, Ed McAllister is um, is a new friend of the Society who's beginning to feel like an old friend. I'm not quite sure why, but we, we know you very well. <laughs> um, um, Ed has... Ed has um, just completed his doctorate in history at St. Anthony's College, Oxford. Um, his doctoral research, which he did um, largely in the Babel Wed district of Algiers, um, focuses on what he describes as memories of the nation-building period in, Alge- in, in Algeria, in an Algiers neighbourhood. Um, um, those exciting years in the 1960s and 1970s, when Algeria was doing everything for a while, um, and um, and the relationship of of the memory—can I say folk memory of that period with dissatisfaction with the, the present uh, <laughs> present politics, but the uh, the embedded memory. So um, this is going to be this is going to be a glimpse. Of a key strand in in Ed's um, uh, multi-stranded um, doctoral thesis, um, throwing light on on that wondrous period of Ben Bella and again. <laughs> So go
1: ahead. Thank you. Um, so, first of all, I want to say thanks to John King and the Algerian Study Society for inviting me to speak, um, and also to LSE, the Middle East Centre, particularly Sandra Sphere at the back for, for organising everything, um, and to you all, obviously, for coming as well. Uh, obviously a, a doctoral project is large and broad, and I'm only going to speak about certain strands of it here, um, there's, there's many things that I'm going to miss out, but hopefully some of those issues might come up in the questions afterwards. Um, I wanted to start by telling you about an experience, telling you about something that happened to me while I was doing my field research in Algiers. I I was walking through um, Place Audin uh, in the evening, and I saw two blue-clad traffic policemen flag down a passing motorist. Um, Ostensibly to check his paperwork, but probably just to maybe get a closer look at the rarity that he was driving. It was a beautiful sea-green 1967 Peugeot 404 with shining chrome details in absolutely immaculate condition, and the driver got out to, t- to chat to the policeman, and they started to compliment him on his classic. And as I watched this scene, I noticed that other heads were turning as well. A group of women walked by, and one of them remark- pointed to the car and said Kiken dunya dunya," when the, which might be translated as "When the world was as it should be." Um, a group of teenagers wearing tracksuits passing by also nudged each other and winked and said like it's it's cool, man. Um, and as I, I was as I was watching the scene, a, gr- uh, a, a van pulled in in front, and two Islamists got out, in wearing their trademark beards and their short uh, kameezes, and got out, and, and and went round to talk to the driver about about his car, with smiles and declarations of masha'allah, etc., etc., etc. And as I watched this this scene happening, the policeman, the Islamists, and this slightly hipster dressed kind of driver of this classic car. It occurred to me that something about relationships to the past was being triggered by the, the appearance of this, of this kind of relic from a bygone era. And it seemed to me that perhaps, just for a fleeting moment and in a diminutive space, a society that's very divided, wounded, and fragmented by the civil war in the 1990s seemed to be momentarily at peace with itself, at least. Now, obviously, this is an anecdote. Um, but it does, I think, underscore several of the central issues that emerged from my research um, about how the memories of the optimism and the certainties of the late 60s and 70s in Algeria translate uh, a certain set of present dynamics. A lost feeling of community, of solidarity, and of equality that was forged during the liberation struggle from France and um, through the austerities and sacrifices of socialist nation building during the seventies, also a sense that the past—that that, sorry, the present hasn't lived up to expectations, and a search for meaning and a search for collective self, collective identity, amid the fragmentation caused by conflict in the nineties and uh, the emergence of consumer society during the during the two thousands. The aims of my project um, were to look to, to, kind of, within the context of ongoing social contestation in Algeria, the kind of the riots, the sit-ins, the strikes, the protests that you see in the headlines of newspapers every day, and within a broader regional context of the Arab uprisings of 2011-12 stroke ongoing, to look at the period, again, to relationships to the period where a lot of the egalitarian claims that were, that were being, for social justice, that were being reiterated <coughs> during those processes were first made. I also wanted to focus on a period of stability within Algerian history. One of the problems, I think, with uh, Algerian historiography, Algerian history, is that academics and scholars tend to focus on periods of violence and instability. Um, There tends to be a a, a focus on on the everyday violence of the colonial period, the war of of liberation, and also the civil war of the 1990s. And I wanted to look at a period of the late 60s, from the 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 mid-60s to the mid-80s, which in which algeria had had enjoyed its longest period of civility and is often completely overlooked by uh, by academics this isn't to say of course that the colonial period isn't important um, algeria was i believe i'm not an african historian i'm a middle eastern historian so somebody will correct me if i if i'm wrong but i believe the only african and uh, middle eastern country to win its independence by force of arms from its colonial uh, power so algerian decolonization really shen- sent shockwaves throughout the entire world but after independence in 1962, another battle began. And that was the battle to liberate the country from poverty, inequality, and underdevelopment that had been created by colonialism. Um, and during the socialist experiment of the 60s and 70s, Algeria became a model for the entire developing world. It really embodied the ideal that previously colonized societies could hold their heads up high. Could meet the world on their own terms and build a bright future for themselves without owing anything to anybody. And under Houari Boumediene, President, 1965 to 1970, late 1978, um, Algeria made a very serious attempt to do just that. Uh, the 70s was a time of intense social mobility, of rising living standards, of increasing job opportunities, especially in relation to the, pr- the preceding colonial period. This was fueled by massive state investment. Uh, within the context of a socialist uh, centralised economic planning which began in 1967 and whose beneficial effects really began to be felt by the early 1970s, especially after the Algerian state took control of uh, the oil and gas industry from foreign companies in 1971. Interesting also to note that Algeria at the time was the only Arab uh, Middle Eastern and North African state to successfully complete the nationalisation of its oil and gas industry. And whatever your view today of command economies, of socialism, of socialist economic planning, etc., um, and I think there's a debate to be had about its legacy, but I think at least during the 1970s, the, the pro- this project was largely successful. Over the decade of the 1970s, the economy grew by 483%, and household incomes tripled. Under socialism, Algerians gained access for the first time to universal healthcare and education. If in, in, at independence in 1962, 90% of the country was illiterate. Um, the figures for Babalued, at least, in 1979, show that 71% of the population have secondary education. But the 70s was also about building strong state institutions, in Boumediene's famous fra- phrase, the attempt to build a state that would outlive both events and men. And this was the period when much of the architecture of the Algerian state was was built, and and. and and all of that architecture pretty much is, is, is still there today. Um, state building, of course, was geared to the larger goal of social transformation, um, of building a modern, an attempt to build a modern egalitarian society. Um, however, it was, also about not, it was not only about building state institutions, it was also about building a nation, about fusing a heterogeneous, diverse population into a single unified body. So the various policies of the time, the, industri- the policy of industrialisation, of investing in factories and creating an industry, uh, a national industry network, was about incorporating the urban working classes and the pro- uh, urban subproletariat into the national community through their employment in, in, in state companies and in worker self-management programmes. Land reform, the agrarian revolution, was uh, obviously to do with trying to improve uh, life in the countryside, but was also to do with weakening was also designed specifically to weaken traditional centres of power in the, in the countryside and bring the rural ma- uh, masses for the first time within the ambit of the state. Uh, cultural policy, education and Arabisation away from French um, was also an attempt to build a single cultural community. So I think you can begin to glimpse here that this was also an authoritarian project. Um, for much of the decade, and at least until 1977, Algeria lacked um, any formal institutions of participatory government at all. Uh, it was re- governed by an unelected 26-member revolutionary council, with, in which the military was predominant. I think there was actually only one civilian member on the council. Um, the intelligence services, the Sécurité Militaire, the SM, were uh, omnipresent and could listen into your conversations at any point, whether in public or in private. Um, there was, of course, as a result, uh, a severe lack of freedom of speech, lack of freedom of the press, although there are caveats to that, 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 that things could be criticised, but only up to a certain point, point. Um, and of course, obviously, the assassination of major uh, opposition figures by the intelligence services, both in Algeria and abroad, um, and the imprisonment of tor- and torture of many others. Now, what I want to do here, I've given you a little bit of an overview what I want to do here and what my project tried to do was not to f- try and focus on the 70s per se, but as to, f- to look at how it's remembered today and how these memories translate the way that Algerians within Babalued felt um, about present politics and society. The relationships to the past, to, to this period in particular, to the recent past, were ambivalent and they mirror the themes that I've just kind of tried to outline. Um, there were two broad narratives. Anybody who's been to Algeria or talked to Algerians about this period will know that there are two broad narratives. There's the socialist paradise of national justice and and, 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 and national pride, and then there's the authoritarian dictatorship in which there was no freedom of speech and everybody was in prison. Um, Now, I think what was interesting to notice in in Babalued was that these narratives weren't mutually exclusive. They were often used by the same people, and even during the same conversations. People switched from one to the other. Um, And I think, however, there was a common theme that, that runs through them, and that those are stability, um, social mobility, the social mobility of the period, and a sense of seriousness, <laughs> a sense of seriousness, or serio, in the, in the management of public public affairs. So I'm going to try and go beyond that neat split, because I think that it, it's quite obvious, and, and, and look instead at how um, memories uh, of, the, of, the, of the past that are socially held or collectively held uh, the representations of the past translate present concerns and express those concerns. By far the most common representation of the 1970s in wed was uh, memories of everyday life. Um, people remembered specifically um, stable employment, um, that there would be a stable life trajectory for example for men through school, through military service to a job in the public sector, um, that the state would provide um, by the end of the 70s, the state um, employed uh, covered 60% of employment and 85 percent of wages and salaries. So, so the statistics obviously back that up. Um, and there was a clear policy by the state to redistribute oil and gas wealth through public sector employment. It was the it seemed to be the easiest thing to do at the time, I think. were also representations of 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 overemployment of of three, four, five people doing the same job. Um, um, and in, in, interestingly, this wasn't considered um, negative by people um, in Wed. Um and this was contrasted with by people to today's much more competitive employment market, um, in which the public in the private sector social security is obviously is often not paid by bosses, um, and and obviously much higher unemployment today than there was at the time. Um, people also talked about the um, balance between cost of living and salaries. Uh, which allowed which was positive and, and allowed a certain degree of material comfort um, because of state enforced austeri- austerity, um, the state didn 't purchase many goods from uh, from from abroad, so foreign consumer goods were uh, not readily available uh, in Algeria for sale, um, so this forced a kind of a saving program on households, uh, many of which at least in the cities had more money than they could actually spend. Um, There was a view amongst young people as well, um, that their parents had lived slightly better than than they had, that they had more security. Keine was bien was the phrase that was most used, they used to live well. Um, This was also the time when Algerians uh, acquired for the first time the trappings of middle-class life. Uh, By the end of the 70s, Algerians owned more cars, fridges, televisions and washing machines than ever before, many of which, interestingly, their household appliances were made in Algeria. Industrial output tripled over the 70s, uh, but production always lagged behind demand. Um, and officially, like I said, um, the only products that were available to buy on the market were those that were made by state companies um, in, in Algeria. Um, if they were made in Algeria, then, then those were the only ones that you could buy. So if you wanted to buy... Uh, clothes, for example, they would be made by Sonitex, the national te- te- uh, textile company. If you wanted to buy a car, Algeria didn't make cars, but you, the state would buy cars from abroad and you would have to go to your local Sonacom office and put in an order, pay in cash, no credit, and wait for months, possibly a year, to get tech delivery of your vehicle. There were of course ways around that. Um, also, the, the standardisation of goods within the, a kind of a socialist economy meant that there was little variety, uh, which meant that many of the homes, many homes were remembered as contain, containing the same products, the same goods, um, and because there's, in a socialist economy there was this, bit, goods weren't renewed quickly. Um, the slow pace of obsolescence of goods meant that. Generations from the from the 70s and 80s often shared the same aesthetic references. They would remember the same products, the same cars, the same household appliances, etc. Which I think binds generations um, more closely, and 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 marks a, a, a big contrast with today, where new int- new products are introduced quicker, and therefore a few years can can, repris- can create s- significant kind of uh, aesthetic. Differences and referential differences between generations. Algerian-made goods were remembered for their quality and even superiority, um, which may come as a surprise today, um, particularly in comparison to uh, imports today that come from other developing countries like China and um, China and India. Uh, the, the manufactured goods of Algerian heavy industry—fridges, trucks, etc.—had a good a good reputation of being tough and durable. Um, And this I think was a mirror of or reflected um, people's positive, generally positive evaluations of the industrialisation product policy um, which was seen as representing a strong state, um, industrial prowess and technical skill and which was linked with concepts of masculinity of being able to produce complex goods um, and be a kind of uh, an industrialised nation. But in parallel with all of these images of, of, of increasing well-being and, and improvements of standard of living, people also remembered intermittent shortages, le uh, They remembered queuing for basic, good stu- uh, basic foodstuffs and basic goods outside uh, state-run supermarkets and state-run department stores in D'Abelouade. Um And this marked here, that there, was a, there was a sense of, 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 of big generational differences. Um, young people simply, you know, who'd grown up in a decade of, 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 of a more liberalised economy with greater consumer choice, simply couldn't imagine going to, to the market and only being able to find watermelons and peppers or, or not being able to find any oil, cooking oil in the shops. Older people sought to dignify what must have been quite difficult circumstances at times with a narrative of we didn't have much but we were happy um, and used the term qina'a, um, a sense of satisfaction with what one had um, to criticise today's kind of their perception of today's increased materialism and individualism, and to mark the fact that they didn't belong to t- today's softer society and that they had this, had had the strength to endure some degree of, of adversity, young people then often retorted back that um, that that their parents' generation had come out of the war, out of colonialism. They didn't really expect much, um, and so you know whatever whatever little they had during the 70s they were happy with. But now, of course. Our expectations as young people are, are greater and so we couldn't have we couldn't have dealt with it back then. Because of all of these factors that I've talked about so far, um, the 70s was remembered for having been characterized by few socioeconomic economic disparities. Um, the state in the 70s increased the salaries of low-income workers faster than high-income workers. The, the minimum wage was increased by 65% uh, over the over the period. And this meant that in the cities at least um, there was relative, there was a relatively even income distribution um, add to that that within a socialist economy and a socialist system shows of material wealth were frowned upon to some degree and you know the, it, in a command economy as well you couldn't hope to amass large sums of money in the bank account and even if you did there wasn't a lot that you could buy with it um, so this all led to an impression um, that that money was less important during the 1970s, um, that things like family and community were therefore more important um, than they are today. Of course, social social, and socio-economic disparities did exist during the 70s, um, but I think they were just expressed in different ways than they are today. Obviously through language, as, it is to, as, as is the case today in Algeria, how much French you use, how much Arabic you use in your sentences. Uh, Marks your belonging to a certain class or or other. But the main form of social differentiation, I think, during the 70s was about, especially within this command economy, was to do with access to state resources and their distribution within personal networks of friends and family. The 70s saw the emergence of new social hierarchies, which were based on access to the public sector employment, based on access to the personal, uh, the kind of the distribution of state resources within personal networks and how much access you had to somebody who worked at a middle or higher level in the state uh, in the state apparatus rather than on material wealth like today Um, in fact the term that people used in Bab to refer to the idea of using personal connections to get what one wants Ma'rifah means knowledge um, or at least comes from the word knowledge um, so I think this points to the fact that at the time it was about who you know and what you know rather than what you had and and, and what you could spend. Today, marifa, or the use of personal connections to get what one what one wants was endlessly complained about in Bubble Web, but it was also enthusiastically participated in. There's a sense that you you, you can't really get round it because the system is is as it is, and I think that this has its. Despite kind of rosy or, or negative views of the of, of the 70s, I think that this has its roots in the coping mechanisms that people used, people developed to survive within a state-controlled con- economy uh, with endemic shortages and low levels of monetarisation. Um, I'm going to move to talk about politics uh, after everyday life um, because this is obviously one of the big things that people talked about as well. Um, the view from Babalued about about the political system at the time, and, and politics at the time, was, irrespective of gender groups, irrespective of class divisions, or of age divisions, was that the political system at the time was authoritarian, and that this was a negative thing. The most common word to use to describe Boumediene was dictator. dictator. Um, the 70s was remembered for a lack of freedom of speech, um, not being able to say, speak one's mind uh, in public, a dichotomy between private and public speech. What you could say in public, what you could say at home. Um, in fact, a lot of the older people that I interviewed, um, as we sat down for the interview, said to me, uh, uh, before the recorder went on, "I don't want to talk about, poli- I don't want to talk about politics on the record," and that was interesting to me because it seemed to indicate, very much, or, or speak a lot about the environment in which they'd grown up. Um, Political repression at the time made, I think, politics into uh, a sphere that was potentially dangerous and, and best left of, best kind of avoided, um, and in people's representations of the political system they, 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 they seemed to say that they were, they were estranged from politics. Politics and ideology at the same time, and that really what people were focused on was just getting on with everyday life and, and trying to enjoy some of those material improvements and comforts that were starting to come on stream. But this is very different. An opposition from, from polit- to, to politics and to ideology at the time, an alienation and estrangement from it, is very different from an opposition to the state um, and what the state was trying to do. People, for example, told me about uh, Volontariat, the, the state-sponsored volunteer schemes where people would go and plant trees or clean rubbish or explain the agrarian revolution to, to, to members of the rural, uh, rural community and they talked about it in terms not of ideological engagement they were saying, you know, we didn't agree with socialism, we didn't, we didn't necessarily we didn't really necessarily feel socialist but we, th- we felt like we were doing something good for our country so I think here there's, a, there's def- definitely an opposition, opposition between ideology and, and, and nationalism so rather than being talked about in ideological terms politics was evaluated on a moral scale and this was based on and this is probably the most important thing that I'm going to say tonight this was based probably on um, a really strong adherence, again, across age and gender and, and, and class boundaries in Babalued to the principles of social justice and equality that formed really the basis of, 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 of world people's worldview. Um, there was also a sense that uh, the characteristics of Algeria at the time and the qualities embodied by Boumeddin himself started to kind of merge and, and, and become one and mix. These were representations of personal and, and, and in the economic and national austerity of integrity that was ex- were expressed through um, representations of honesty and lack of corruption and also of masculine pride. I'm going to read you a quote actually now from, by a lady who um, 65 years old, a resident of Pueblood, a professional singer and I'm going to read you what she said to me about Boom Jin was a man. Because even if he was dictatorial, he never touched his people. He didn't leave his people in the shit. He raised Algeria's prestige. He had presence. He had a firm hand, and he wasn't afraid. He had integrity, and he never filled his own pockets. If he'd stayed, the country wouldn't be like this. His reputation, and Algeria's, were irreproachable on all levels. He went to every country in the world, but he never set foot in France. When he was asked why, he said, I didn't fight France to then go and seek it out. That's a real man. A very common view. So you've got the, the kind of the, the the merging of Algeria's personality and and and, it, and of its its leader at the time. And these representations, I think, dovetail with two of the main criticisms of the present, which were that wealth is increasingly unevenly distributed, and that politicians are self-serving. Um, so criticism. So remember, the way that the past is remembered here is being used to kind of critique the present. Um, Despite this all these all these contrasts and differences. I think that there are lots of similarities between the 70s and today Algerian society in the 70s and today uh, is They're both they're both societies of two different societies that are coming out of prolonged periods of conflict the war of independence and the 1990s desirous of some kind of good life of of some enjoying some 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 material comfort and some political stability um, a certain alienation from politics after periods of conflict and kind of ideological exhaustion, um, a renewed state power also in both periods, a closed political sphere um, and an authoritarian political structure. Despite obviously much greater freedom of speech in the present, and and, and, and enthusiastic efforts at democratic window dressing, um, the difference I think is in is in today is in the, the from people's perspective was in the retreat the retreat of the state from its redistributive function and the, the appearance of an increasing wealth gap from the mid-80s. Um, from Babalued, again to go back t- briefly to that important thing that I was telling you about before, the view was that the redistribution of, of what was strongly seen as, com- of, as communally owned of, 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 of nationally owned wealth through oil and gas was supposed to be distributed by the state, uh, that that was the state's most important function, that that was what the state was for. Um, and this formed the basis of people's expectations of their state. And it was a yardstick by which people judged uh, their political system. If authoritarianism in the past had been tolerated because it seemed to be delivering on these egalitarian pro- promises, this wasn't the case today because of the corruption and, and, and the increasingly visible displays of, of, of the accrual of, of, of spectacular illicit wealth, basically. Um, one... Man said to me, um, when comparing the past and the present, and I think this is illustrative, before we had social justice but no democracy, and now we have neither. (laughs) There was a sense that the 70s was a missed opportunity, that the state and the political system had been unable to transmit some of the improvements in daily life, and importantly, hope for the future, to the generations of the 80s and 90s. Um, Here I want to read you a quote from somebody else, um, Yassine a guy called Yassin who's a lad from Babiloued who's a 20 university student um, that I think transmits this Um, because I wanted to have some voices from the younger generation coming through Um, in their time they they never imagined it would turn out like this my mum never wanted to emigrate back then she said Algeria was better that it was going to become something they loved this place they never thought it would turn out like this they had lots of hope and that's why we young people are nostalgic for a time that we've never even lived through For the moment, I'm surviving. Nothing is stable here. Overnight, things could explode. But they tell me to keep studying, get my diploma, try and be someone. But the future's much more uncertain compared to the optimism they felt. We're always between optimism and pessimism. So, to finish up, I want to talk about those, that that hope for the future, and talk a little bit about about time. I hope it's been clear that, that... The view from Babalued is uh, is that the state has not lived up to its promises, and that the present hasn't turned out as it was once imagined to be, Um, and that sense of being cheated by history. Um, And this is where the problem in state-society relations, I think, lies today in Algeria, in, in the gap between the horizon of expectation that was once created and the realities of the everyday in the present. And this is the gap, I think, where nostalgia for the past embeds itself. Um, But nostalgia wasn't only a thing of the past. People were nostalgic for the past, but nobody in Babalued wanted to turn back the clock. Nobody wanted to go back to the strict authoritarianism and the curtailed freedom of speech of the past. Rather, nostalgia was something that articulated a once-glimpsed future in the 1970s that at the time seemed just over the horizon, but never really uh, arrived. And I think this translates the breakdown of, a, of, a, of an imaginary of time which, which, which underpinned political legitimacy in Algeria during the 60s and 70s. This idea that the state would deliver social transformation, that there'd be improvements in daily life, that things would go forward, that there would be progress. And political power was supposed to be, was, was to be judged against this progress, was to be judged against progress towards a historical ideal. And this was the case for all socialist systems. Um, since the 1980s this idea of progress and this idea of of, of time moving forward things getting better has obviously been derailed um, but people in Bever still expected there to be a, a, a you know, a, a, an improvement a progress a linear progression from the past through the through the present to a, a brighter future and interestingly uh, you know the the, the the everyday political savviness of algerians is is legendary to me anyway um, but People in Vabalued even had a phrase which they used, which, which expressed this kind of temporal derailment, avancin à l'arrière, that we, we've advanced backwards. So faced with a frozen present and a future that looks anything but bright, particularly given the, the fall in oil prices and the looming inability of the state to be able to provide anything at all, Algerians are left to commiserate on their once imagined future. And to go back to Place Audin, which I was, which, in which we were at the beginning, um, as all of the heads were turning and, and as, as all of these people were making different comments about this, this, this classic car, there was a group of old men um, sitting on a bench, just who kind of sit there in the afternoon and watch, watch life goes by. And I heard one of them say to the other, eh oui, c'était l'époque où on pensait qu'on allait s'en sortir. That was, that was back in the day when we thought we were going to make it. I shall leave it there. Thank you, you. Ed. Yeah.
0: I'll just use the the chairman's privilege to start. I think through, throughout you you refrained admirably from uh, from expressing value judgments. But um, what I want to know, um, and um, and maybe I'll go off on a sort, sort of side issue here. I think it's quite. I was intrigued while you were speaking because because in a sense, um, well not in a sense in actuality. Uh, I I think I'm I'm quite possibly the oldest person in this room by distance. <laughs> And, um, and I was brought up in the north of England in the 1940s and 50s. Now, in the north of England in the 1940s and 50s, we had democracy and freedom of speech, but we really didn't have anything else very much. Um, on, on, the, on the other hand, one looks back on it with, with great nostalgia. It was a, sort of, was a sort of golden age. It was like a sort of television bread advert, you yep. know, um, 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 It was terribly pleasant, but would I want to go back there? I really don't know would it It would be terribly jarring to discover one couldn't sort of more or less buy what one wanted or go where one wanted It would be it would be terribly terribly limiting now are the Algerians right to be nostalgic about All that or are they wrong are they looking back at something that actually never
1: existed? Mm. Um, I think that Nostalgia has very little to do with the past um, and I think that I think that nostalgia is more about expressing the difference between past expectations and the, how the present has turned out. I think that I think that nostalgia was it, it has various kind of uses and is used is used in various different situations. It doesn't necessarily always mean the same thing. Um, like I said, uh, clearly I think I, I, it 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 wasn't. Indicative of a wish to turn back the clock. Nobody wanted to go back to how things were in the past um, And I think in a way because of that I'll, um, Nostalgia has less to do with, with the past and, and more to do with the future. Um, I think that what, what people were doing in Bevel Word was was talking about Not only the way what might have been but also what they would they would like to be um, that it was a way of mapping out what they would like the Algerian polity and Algerian politics and their political system to look like. It was a way of of kind of creating some degree of social consensus on on how they would like things to be. Um, it was also, of course, a way of critiquing the present. Um, and the nostalgic, the, the remembering was, of course, sometimes selective. Um, people remember things. Some people remembered things through through rosy, rose-tinted glasses. But you know, with with all of the with all of the memories of authoritarianism and dictators, etc., etc., um, I don't think that this was completely, um, you know, completely rosy and unreasonable. Um, I think it's a way of critiquing the present, a way of mapping out the way things people would like things to be, and also we haven't talked about the elephant in the room: the ni- the nineteen nineties. Um, it was it formed another major strand of what I was doing in my research, but but I'll, but. Talking about the 70s was also a way of talking about the 90s. Um, more questions on that, please.
2: <laughs>
0: Gentleman there. You on the side. That's it, sir. Yeah. Uh,
2: the other elephant in the room is immigration to France. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you heard, what uh, did you hear about, the word about those people who in the 70s missed the chance to be part of
3: this generation who went to France and yeah. received, and how today
2: people are looking back on it. In order to reflect
1: on the phenomenon of immigration back like there, that, mm-hmm. that makes sense to go back and forth and to for this issue of immigration. Okay. Do you want to do one question? Or yeah, one is? at a time. Yeah. Go. Okay. Go for it. Um, yeah, immigration was talked about a lot. Um, not as much as everyday life and politics, but it was a major. It was a major representation of the past, um, and it had to do. It was very much ba- bound up with perceptions of. Uh, representations of Algeria's place in the world at the time that um, the Algerians there's a very common um, narrative that Algerians were respected at the time that they didn't need visas to travel to Europe to France, that they could come and go as they pleased um, there was a sense that, that people would um, just you know, plan a weekend in Paris and they'd go and then they'd come back and also that they didn't I mean people didn't talk about mass migration during the 70s which of course there was at the time um, because of all of that austerity, this is where the rose-tinted spectacles come in. There was a sense that you know we we could go on holiday for Paris, and we didn't really want to stay there, you know, because like life was good at home, you know. We would come back, and and we had stuff to do. You know, we wanted to participate in the construction of our country, et etcetera. Et um This was particularly used. The, the The visa issue was particularly used by the younger generation, who, of course, doesn't have the right to travel. Um, and there was a sense that you know at, that. Being Algerian at the time counted for something. That you, the, there was a certain presence uh, on the world stage. That if you travelled, you were, you were, yeah, pride, exactly, national pride. Um, that you weren't treated like a terrorist at, 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 at the immigration uh, border of, of a European country coming in just because you were Algerian. Um, so yeah, that was a big travel. Freedom of movement was a, was a big, a big uh, representation of the time as well. Lady um, you've used the word authoritarian a couple of times, I yep. was wondering how...
3: Loads of times. <laughs> I was wondering uh, if you could actually
4: expand on what exactly do you mean by that, and in what way would you
1: describe
4: Algeria as being authoritarian
1: today? Today. Well, there's lots of definitions, aren't there? Um, I mean, I was just using it fairly loosely in the sense of, I mean, I'm not a political scientist, um, I'm a historian and ethnographer, Um um, using it as you know a system which one doesn 't have any form of political representation like it, it didn 't in the 1970s um, and one in which there is very little uh, margin for freedom of speech um, today i would i mean uh, I would subscribe to the view that Algeria has a system which is one of people say upgraded authoritarianism don 't know don 't know this that there 's that and i think that 's quite that 's quite um that 's quite true that we 're not talking about the kind of the the hard cumbersome if you like authoritarianism of the, of the past, but a much more supple um, form of authoritarianism in which there is a rotation uh, of you know political political parties um, and and kind of government government partners who are in the window the, in the shop window who, who run the country. Um, But that this makes very, really, very little difference to how, uh, to how political power is distributed. Mm. Gentleman at the back, I want
5: want just to ask you that. Do you think first that uh, the image that you have just drawn about Algeria, starting from that word, really translates the? uh, I mean, the real image all the Algerians have about their country of the 70s. Because mm-hmm. uh, I come from Algeria, and I still live in Algeria, in mm-hmm. a different area than Babylon. I believe that if you have asked people that are more or less, I mean, well-read people, they would say that the period you are speaking about, and the period that people in Babylon saw as something, I mean, very peaceful good, etc., mm-hmm. they would have said perhaps that the, the seed of backwardness in Algeria was planted mm-hmm. at that time this Arabization. You know, uh, I, I, I remember a uh, sentence by, I think, Thomas Kinder who was teaching here. he said, everybody in both countries in his own head knows that modernity speaks French and God speaks Arabic. And I, I wonder whether you have asked yourself another question is, why this Bebouin, as a region that you are speaking about, mm. gave birth, just after Bungian, to the, I mean the, the, the haven or the cradle of Islamist extremism that mm. really costed much to Algeria. Mm-hmm. Thank you very
1: much. Thanks for bringing that up. That's, those are actually really, really good points um, and really interesting. I think that, I think, yes, if I'd done the study, in, I mean, this study is only, can it, it cannot speak about what Algerians think of uh, of, uh, of the period. It only speaks to what Bablued uh, thinks, maybe perhaps collectively, and, and, and even within Babel, only the people that I spoke to. Um, if you were to ask people in Tlemcen, then they probably wouldn't like Boumediene very much because he turned their fields and farming areas into into factories. So you'd probably get a, a very different view if you went to different to different areas. The view in the south, in the deep south, would obviously be very different as well. Um, but obviously, I'm only one person. I couldn't really cover the whole country, considering that it's the size of Western Europe. Um, so yeah you 're completely right there. Um, you brought up the issue of culture of of, of um, Arabization etc, and I wanted to touch on this is um, I thank you for bringing it up because it 's something that I wanted to bring up as well. there was a, view, a a very different view when I would meet people in in the center of Algiers and in the kind of the, the, the slightly wealthier neighborhoods in the heights on the heights on the high ground above Algiers, um, there was a very different discourse. Um, and that was the one that, that you I think have, have have touched upon that the '70s was secular um, that the '70s was modern, that it was french speaking and not arabic uh, speaking that it was therefore uh, represented a, a secular Mediterranean society um, which was comfortable with itself and was uh, contrasted to a very Islamized present uh, present in which Algeria had let go of those Mediterranean values, it had become uh, more closed, it had become more socially conservative, and that therefore, past good, present bad. So contrasting a secular past with a a, a more religious present. present. Um, the view from Bab-Aloid on on this was really interesting, because it turned this completely on its head. Um, people actually said to me that, uh, a lot of people, most people actually said to me that, the, the past was actually more genuinely religious than the present. That people, there's a whole strand in in, in what I've done about about kind of religiosity and, and changing perceptions of religiosity. Um, that religion in the seventies was remembered as being something that was more, um, uh, how shall I put it, heterogeneous or, or eclectic. Um, that women, for example, were just as likely to go to um, Visit the saints' tomb at the um to perhaps ask for intercession about a marriage, or go up to Notre Dame, the old cathedral on the top of Babylon, to 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 light a candle and to sit in silence. And that this was part of kind of syncretic—that's what I was looking for—religious uh, re- religiosity, and that people um, also that people practiced their religion um, in more in more cultural ways. So in terms of dietary prohibitions, etc. Um, but there was more kind of more kind of um, <coughs> margin for things like drinking, um, even eating pork. Um. But this this doesn't necessarily mean that Algeria at the time was more secular. Um, I think that this view has come about because because there's more there's more sense in the presence of of, of, of religious identification in terms of the clothes that people wear the behavior the behaviors the kind of mixing of genders what a woman could do in public and can't do in public it's not to say that that wasn't the case back then uh, either in fact p- people in babylon said that said that society was incredibly conservative at the time and that actually women women's the position of women is much is much better now than it is than it was back then so again the secular past the, the religious present i don't think kind of checks out um also there was a sense that uh, as far as religiosity was concerned that people uh, religion was something that young people didn't participate in that uh, it was a, 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 um, something that could only be accessed when you were mature enough to be able to to deal with it That it was a serious business um, there's even even you know a, a large number of people even told me that as young people they were turned away from mosques in Babalued because they were too young um, so these are some of the issues around religion. I hope I've answered your question. I'm not quite sure if I have. but Lenny and yellow.
4: You talk about um, <coughs> the 70s being more or less religious. Algeria was always religious for the Algerian. Mm. The difference is I was born and brought up in Algeria for many years. and mm-hmm. came to the UK as a Bumidian future of Algeria okay. in the late 70s. Now in the 70s, parents prayed at home. There were no mosques, no poisonous agenda of Islamism. Mm -hmm. The religion was something that was a private thing in your own home, Mm -hmm. and the number of mosques that there is now, not that I have anything against mosques, but they have contributed to poisoning the mind of many Algerians, especially boys born in the 80s beyond. Mm I am in education and I know the level of education has gone downhill for anyone born in the eighties post that. Now that is the thing. And religion I mean, when the French were over in Algeria they had their churches and the Algerian prayed at home. There was never a problem about who wears a veil, who wears a skirt, who wears a hijab or a niqab. None of that existed. So in retrospect, when you talk about people in Mabeghweb, there is also the age group, which matters hugely. People of my generation born in the 50s have a totally different perspective and views of what Algeria was and what Algeria hoped to become to those born in the 80s. You know, for what, you know, he's good, bad, whatever he was, mm-hmm. he put Algeria on the world stage He made us all feel very, very proud to be Algerian, to have witnessed the independence of Algeria, which was in itself an event which was admired by the whole of Africa, Mm -hmm. and which was the trigger for all the other African countries to get their own independence. And so there were so many good things going for Algeria, for people of my generation, and for people born a generation after that. But now, Um, I will say, in all honesty, I can confess that I often find I have hardly anything to do with people born in the 80s in Algeria. And I would probably have more affinity with someone in Southeast Asia than I do with people in my own country. What happened in the transfer, it's the government that we have had in place successively agendas to fail that country. There is no other way to look after it. You cannot look at it differently. You will have to go out of your way to make Algeria what it is today. Unemployment. Nobody makes anything anymore. Everything is imported from cheap Chinese imports. Mm. From needles to children' toys to to a butter in your kitchen. It is very, very depressing as a picture for mm. a country which we had so much going for it. Yep. The largest. Gas resources in the world. What has happened with the money
1: and the income from there? Well, I mean, I think that as far as the economy goes, um, I'm not an economist and I'm not an energy expert either. But yeah. I, I do know people who, who expect uh, people who are who are very clued up and who expect Algeria to be be stopping exporting uh, gas by 2030 because productivity is uh, is is decreasing. Uh, national consumption is increasing um, it 's the oil the oil and the gas is harder to get at uh, the the bids the bids which the algerian government put the tenders that they put out uh, for foreign companies are just not being taken up um, and so yeah i mean uh, algeria's had massive oil and gas wealth and it 's had and it 's had you know fifty three years of, of independence to be able to spend that to be able to invest it to to make things better and i think I think that in a way you're right. I mean, the, during the 1970s, was it's, it was the only time that at least there was an industrialisation policy. There was an attempt to use oil and gas wealth to be able to be able to not depend on it. Yeah, to be able to invest in in, yes. in other things. Um, what you said about education I, it tallies with what I heard in bubble Word completely. Everybody who I know who was involved in education, who was a teacher, thought that things had got had got worse. Um, since the 1970s. That's not because of, again, going back to the gentleman at the back, that's not because Algeria is now using Arabic and not no. using French. Um, that's, I think, a, a misnomer which is often no, e- easily made. It's about quality of education. I think it's, it's actually to do with the fact that now teachers in Algeria don't have to do a special teaching degree. You can, you can study English at university and then just become a teacher. You don't have to go to the École Normale anymore. Um, again, um, issues of of, of um, gender and public space um, and, and between generations, I think that um, I think that younger girls in in Babalued saw themselves as having much more freedom than their mums um, there are f- for the first time since the 1990s ironically babaed has, has much more public spaces that are, are, are permissible for women to be in um, it's not still. Very well seen for a woman to go to a cafe, uh, but there are plenty of ice cream parlours where, which are pretty much the, 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 the sole domain of, of of women. So there are more public spaces. Um, there was a sense that there was a during the 70s there was a much tighter control by families, uh, by fathers and brothers of of what their what their parents could, what they could and couldn't do, and where they could go and what they couldn't where they couldn't go. Um, but this was also to do with a sense of, and I'm sure this will ring true with you and, and others as well, a sense of um, the fact that at the time there was a, a sense of of shared morality, that everybody agreed by the same, horma, that everybody shared by the, played by the, same, by, the, by the same rules. In fact, it's really interesting. Noelle, who's the woman, the 65-year-old woman whose quote co- I read out before, <coughs> she told me an amazing story about her father deciding in 1962 that... All of the women in the family should, should stop wearing the hayek should, they should take their veils off because now the French soldiers had gone and there was no danger so there's no reason for women to wear a veil because as, he, as she said it was just us you know we all share the same values So there's no reason for a veil anymore nobody was going to do anything horrible to a woman or disrespect her in any way because we all share the same values um, and then she described also women um, starting to reveal during the during the 80s and 90s because, again, there was a sense of social danger, that values weren't shared anymore, that you couldn't guarantee your security. And then she also talked about, and this is maybe an interesting update for, for, for people who haven't had experience of Algeria recently, of a, of a phenomenon of, of girls starting to unveil again after the 90s because there was a sense of, you know, that, that, that people... Didn't, didn't necessarily need to have that, that kind of security anymore and I, I, I know that that happened in a few cases of people, of people that I know. Obviously lots of cases that it didn't happen in as well and people have their personal relig- uh, religious convictions and, and, and that's fine. I don't think however in the girls that I knew, I, I taught English um, in a youth centre in Babalued um, because I just wanted to kind of do something and not just extract research. I wanted to be able to do something and meet people and have contact with younger people and I happened to have a, a class of uh of about 10 or 12 17 year old girls who were in there um doing the the first year of their baccalaureate some of them were veiled some of them weren't they all got on like a house on fire and there's absolutely absolutely no issue for them regarding who wore the veil or who didn't nobody they didn't care um and i think that young people in algeria or at least in babloed again i can only speak about babloed they're just so over this kind of religious Difference about who's religious and who's not. Like it's, Islamism was is very much I think seen as
4: a men's agenda. Mm.
1: No, not as, as 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 the ideology that their parents used yeah. to, to to try and change things in society. That it was kind of old actually. Mm. Um, that. You know, I
3: think,
0: can I just say? I think um, you, uh, questions out. have to come through through <laughs> okay, the chair, sorry. I'm afraid. I, I don't wish to put it down, but chaos breaks out if you <laughs> don't do that. Um, yeah. if, if you want, do you I've, want to put a positive question? I've probably spoken for too long, so I'm happy to take that no, question no, if it's I'll related to what I was saying. obviously yeah. there
3: is a vacuum. There yeah. is somewhere where obviously there is no explanation of the world. And, obviously, religion tend to take that space. Mm-hmm. And people explain the world through, I mean, uh, especially in the 80s and the 70s, there was a lot of uh, Marxism and communism and, obviously, the and all of these mm. kind of theories that yeah. explain, obviously, the world. But uh, after that, we had in the 80s, there is a vacuum. People were educated in the 70s. Suddenly, the dec- there was a decline. And mm. I don't think it's only it's a, it's a phenomenon for Algeria. It's all over the world. Yeah. Suddenly, when there is a vacuum. Yeah. There is no explanation of the world, or the system of the world. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, religion comes into it. And that's why people come start to belong, or try to look for explanation of the world. Yeah. If there is, no, there is no other system that explains mm-hmm. the world, it must be religion. And it's not only characteristic to Algeria, hmm. if you look at the uh, United States, Iran is another, obviously, uh, because we had all the extremism, really, and the hijab and everything else from Iran, hmm. not from anywhere else. Hmm. So the, the vacuum, sometimes.
0: No. Uh, I'm going to take some qu- a question from the back. Um, Dermot Murphy, I tell you what, I've been being very remiss, I haven't been making people say who they are or what their affiliation we'll is, so I'm going to start with Dermot. Um, Dermot Murphy, Society
2: of Grand <laughs> i Studies. Um, very interesting, thank you. Um, I lived in Algiers from 72 to 74, I made four visits 30 years later. Can you speak up a bit, sorry. Sorry, I um, <coughs> um, I lived in Al- Algiers 1972 to 1974. Yeah. And I made four visits over a period um, 30 years later. Um, I recognize a, a lot of what you're talking about, um, both in terms of how the 70s were, but also in how people talk about the 70s later on. Because um, you know, obviously a lot of people said to me, Where have you been here before? And when I said I've been in the 70s, there was always a sort of, oh. Um, yeah." Um, but I recognize as well the point that um, the previous question had made about arabisation. Because I can remember that, um, you know, knowing this talk was coming up, looking back, the, the one point where values seemed to be fracturing among the people that I knew was where parents found that their children were in schools where they were going to be put into class mm and um, where they were going to be moved away from French. And I wondered um, what um, had, what came up in your discussions with people about the 70s when they talked about education. And, um, and could you say maybe a little bit more about the the desire from the center, from the top, from Buna Den, to impose Arabic as, as the language of the nation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yes. In, to address what you were saying first, um, I think that there, there there was a gap, and I think that there was a gap in in, in there was a gap in meaning, um, and that was because you know there was an economic crisis in 1986. The state suddenly wasn't able to provide as it had always intended to provide. Um, Chadli made, Chedley made the, the, the choice to liberalize the economy, which suddenly meant the appearance of, of, a, of a wealth gap which made all of the, all of the state 's promises of egalitarianism seem completely hollow to a new generation and it was, it, yes it 's in that space that, that, that there was a search for something else and, 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 and the feast and, and islamism was, was, was there ready and prepared with an answer to a society which was you know going through um, hell and high water. Um, Interesting to notice, though, that, that 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 we've recently had the anniversary of 1988. For those of you who don't know in the room, um, October 1988 was um, really the, the the start of a series of nationwide riots, which in the end put an end to um, a, you know kind of a national uprising, which put an end to the the socialist system and and in, uh, and from when Algeria embarked upon a period of political liberalisation and democratisation, the first Arab state to, to do so as well. Um, I shouldn't say Arab state, Middle Eastern or and North African state. Um, Mina state. meana I don't like Mina though. I hate it. Better than um, nothing. State in the region. <laughs> um, and the the, the nineteen eighty eight memories of nineteen eighty eight were also really important memories of political change um, as being a kind of a not a, not a missed opportunity, but you know you'd think that people saw nineteen eighty eight as being kind of. Uh, kind of a golden time of political opening and more freedom of speech, etc. But but people tended to see it as kind of the beginning of of, of something really negative, of something, of you know, the gateway to the 1990s and the opening up of the gates of hell. Um, to go back to education, I've talked about it a little bit already, but um, I remember a friend of mine in, in Algiers, his mum actually had a really interesting experience in um, the, I suppose, the rentrée scolaire of 1962, three um, going back to school and in a new independent independent Algeria, and being asked on her first homework assignment and because she was little and arabization was was done progressively from the lower kind of the, the lower years in school, primary school first um, being asked to to do a homework assignment and to bring her homework back and that, that now she could bring it back in, in her language um, and that, that, that she could you know, that she could now do that because it, it wasn 't controlled by the French anymore and when she came back and she brought it back the next day she got smacked by the teacher on her hands because she would brought it back in Derja she brought it back in Algerian Arabic um, and this sense of being of, of, of being punished of, of, of not of not feeling um, of not feeling that the language that people actually speak um, is kind of bona fide and, and kind of worthy of any kind of respect I think is is a, is a is a, uh, an important motif and is something which is is, is problematic and, and is is um, interesting that they've they've now put on the table the Minister of Education Nouri Belkhadir has put on on the table a, a proposal to have primary edu- education in uh, Algerian Arabic, which I think they've now decided not to do. Um, but I think and I think that's that's quite interesting. and Algeria again leading the way on that one. Um, I don't subscribe to the view that Arabization j- just because it was you know the, the system was the language of the system was changed that automatically that that meant that the, edu- the standard of education uh, went down. I do however think that it was perhaps, like many of the policies of the time, well intended but not always fantastically implemented, um, and that teachers often didn't l- read the right training. I read a in- really interesting letter to the editor in Il Mujahid, the, the, which was the state newspaper at the time, from the mid, from the early 1970s by um, by a, of course because this happened in the education system and it happened in the, in the administration as well, Arabization. Somebody writing into Al Mujahid and complaining and saying, you know, I have no idea what terms to use. You know, we haven't been provided with a list of what terms we use for land reform or for uh, a plot of land, or for you know, all of the, all of the kind of as- administrative terms that would be used. That that, that there wasn't enough training, um, and that the Arabic lessons that were provided for for civil servants were were dull, and that they were they were they weren't, um, and to kids as well, that they weren't kind of you know based on any kind of reality or kind of that they were kind of cumbersome. And, and anybody who's ever learned standard Arabic will probably know what he was talking about, um, because of the way that it's taught. Um, okay, I think I've maybe hopefully covered that bit shall we
0: um let's have judgment in the front
1: um so pride and nationalism were two um
2: words that i think which um which i a few times yeah um i just want to ask your point
1: of view so do you think or feel that the young generation specifically that you spoke to of that word share the same values and ideals that their previous generations once had for algeria or is there a slight sense of disillusion and disenchantment with Country and the state, in the state that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, yes and no. Um, I think that that the, there are definitely shared values of a belief in in social equality and social justice. That this, that like I said, that the state should redistribute what is believed by everybody to be commonly held, nationally owned wealth. You know, the oil and gas that's under algerian 's feet is very much seen as you know something that that, that should be distributed because it belongs to everybody um, so the very the very strong expectations of social justice that were created during that, that time and I think that that in a way is the most important legacy of the 1970s is, is those are those expectations but of course there is that 's then compared to the reality of today in which you know those things haven 't turned out to be to be the case and so amongst the younger generation there is a massive um, you know, a massive uh, disconnect in the sense that, that um, and disillusionment, as you say, because that because that hasn't happened, and amongst the older generation as well. Now, you mustn't think that that the older generation isn't disillusioned as well. I think I think lots of people in the older generation are just as disillusioned as the as the younger generation. Um, then, of course, there comes into the generational gap the nineteen nineties. Um, younger, older generation generally seeing the younger generation as being. Lost, out of control, sans repère, um, because of because of the instability of the nineteen nineties, and because of the social kind of fragmentation and destructuring and that that that, that caused. And I think that I think that here, the, the, as I tried to say at the end, the seventies are really important. Memories of the seventies are really important because I think that what they talk about is when they when 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 the seventies is talked about in ideal terms as far as sociability, as far as people looking after each other as part of their being, solidarity, r- genuine respect for women whereas there isn't today, genuine morality as there isn't today. Um, to go back to the religious thing, I mean I even had bearded Islamists telling me that that, that that before there was morality and there was no religion, and now everybody's religious but there's no morality. So even kind of certain Islamists admitting that, that their own kind of political project to, to Islamized society has, and, and, and make a more moral society, has kind of failed, which, which was interesting. Um, so I think that the, the gap between generations in the, in, in, in the 90s is, is, is a really important uh, generational gap, um, especially because of the social kind of fragmentation that's, that, that's come out of that. Um, Representations specifically of... Uh, something that was really common was people talking about doors, actually. Um, of In apartment buildings in the 70s, the doors would be open, between flats that you could, as kids, you know, you'd run up and down the stairs, and you'd like, maybe you'd go and have lunch or dinner with wherever you landed, and and where, in whichever neighbour's house you landed, and, and if it was late, then they'd give you dinner, and you could sleep there, and they'd take you to school the next day. Whereas in the nineties, all the doors closed, uh, people put metal bars and sheet metal things in front of their doors so that they 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 felt they felt in some kind of security, and that this had really broken down relationships between neighbours. Um, and I think that when people were describing some some sort of ideal, slightly idealised selective selective memory of the, of the 1970s, they were talking about, it was a way of talking about what's happened since, a way of talking about the social dislocation and fragmentation that's incredibly painful of the 90s, which is difficult to talk about directly, so you talk about it through the way things were. Um, and it's also, it was also a sense of being able to, to hold on to like who we are, you know, the, the that hopefully we are still this society even though we've been through all of these things in, in, in between that, that hope, those are our values and those continue to be our values even though we feel fragmented we feel destructured we feel alienated from each other that that is still how we would like to be <laughs> and I think that's really important that that exists it's not just about you know rosiness in the past come from here.
2: <coughs> uh, my name is Abdul Rupani I come from India uh, see, Algeria has been a sort of uh, inspiring, you see, uh, because Nehru started with social experiment of society and socialism and all that. Mm. Uh, I just wonder, you see, I have no idea whether, what sort of constitutional arrangement, whether it's a unitary state or a federal state, how things are, who exercises the legal of power now that in the new setup. In the present. In the present.
1: Um, Algeria is a unitary state. Uh, it has a constitution. Um, it had no constitution for the period that I'm talking about during the 1970s. Boumediene, uh, again, authoritarianism came to power in a in a military coup in 1965, and um, um, abrogated the constitution and the national parliament. Um, so again, there were no there was no constitution or kind of, as I said, participations of uh, participatory government until. Until the um, until the late 70s, in which he organised elections to uh, starting from the ground up, so starting from local uh, local assemblies and, and regional assemblies, and then um, having a debate in 1976 about a national charter, in which supposedly um, everybody could go to um, certain centres and, and discuss uh, the, a text was put put. put Put up for for public discussion. People go to meetings and discuss it, and then representatives of the state were supposed to take these ideas on board, and then and then and then take that back into the drafting of a constitution for in nineteen seventy seven. Um, again, freedom of speech. There's lots of differences here about how free that discussion was, or how much people could actually say uh, during those meetings. Um, so so yes, now there is there is a constitution which is which is kind of. Which has been changed numerous times since, since then. So yeah, there is a constitution, but it's not a federal system. Many people in certain regions would like it to be a federal, federal system, but that, I don't think that that will be happening anytime soon. Mm. There you go. Uh,
3: thank you very much for an interesting discussion. I have two quite short questions. Sure. First is the one that you wanted someone to ask. Please, yes. Yes, about the '90s, and uh, because I'm basically interested in how trauma could shape the way we approach this piece of history yep. history that you do. Um, the second is, basically, whether in your research have looked in any ways into the sort of official narrative of how the 70s is, Is I kind of understand that what you do is basically history from below, or yep. sort of ethnography, but whether yep. you've seen how this interacts or is subscripted into a formal narrative, yep. or as a reaction to against the formal narrative Thanks.
1: Okay, um, I think I've covered. I've talked about the nineties already a bit tangentially in in other questions. Um, but just to access, just to, can I take issue? Can I take issue with the word trauma? I just like I don't. I just I, people often talk about Algerian society as being traumatized, and I just I just didn't see that. I didn't see that people were traumatized in any way. I think there are really deep scars, and I think that there's a lot of social fragmentation. But I didn't get the sense that people were kind of traumatized and cowering in fear. Of you know of, of of the present or of any political changes in the future, I mean, Al- actually Algerians are out there nationwide every single day doing protests, sit-ins, strikes, uh, and, and and burning tires at, at roadblocks. I mean, that, that those are not necessarily for me the, the, the actions of a of a, of a of a society that's traumatized and, and, and afraid of of, of of change in the future. I think that Algerians are very willing to stand up for what they believe in um, and that that's always that's you know that's been the case since since for a long time now since independence and before obviously um, however there is a lot of political quietude um, but I, I think that trauma is just problematic also I don't think that you can describe a society as traumatised it's a psychological it's a term from psychology and it, it kind of there's a methodological problem in in, in kind of defining a, a, a traumatised individual and then kind of just just kind of copying and pasting that onto a society, I just don't, it doesn't quite work for me. Um, I think it's, it's more useful to talk about about where the the, the social divisions and social splits and social fragmentation um, occurs and, and, and how that's been created. Again and then you, I think you need to go to neighbourhood level to, to, to look at that. Um, you know this is about people, not, this is actually about people trusting each other I think. Um, one guy said to me that, that he would, he would, um, he, he described a, a trip to Jijel in the 1970s where they, they went with the family in the car and it got late and so they just parked up in a lay-by by this road, side of the road and they slept in the car and that you'd never be able to do that now. And he ended, he ended it by saying, because we used to trust each other and now we don't and it breaks my heart. Um, and that I think is what's happened during the 90s, the, the kind of the social production of mistrust between people of neighbours not talking to each other anymore, um, of of you know that was born of, the, of of those those are the very real scars that are born of civil war. You know you don't want your neighbours' kids to play with you want your kids to play with the neighbours' kids because they might say something about your religious beliefs about your uncle that works in the army, um, etc. So I think it, it, it's it's to be talked about in less in broad terms than more in like specific. And then to the other end, the official narrative. Yes, I did look at that a little bit. Um, um, in terms of Boudflika, who 's the current president um, very much being having been kind of one of boomardienne 's close allies, um, he was minister for a long time during the 1970s foreign minister, a very able um, diplomat at the time uh, whether he 's an able president at the moment is of course a <laughs> issue of some discrepancy um, but yeah there 's a very much a sense that uh, that Butfliqa tries to uh, up his credential, his Burmadianist cr- credentials, because he knows that this nostalgia exists, and, and he tries to create a kind of a seamless kind of past present. Um, you know, he's even done a reindustrialisation policy, um, the Renault factory in Oran, etc., etc.
5: Um,
1: it's it's all to do with harking back to the past and using that nostalgia as political capital.
0: Um, I'm going to take the lady back there. Yeah. Hi, hi, DJ. <laughs>
5: Do you? I didn't
1: know that. <laughs> yeah, you should have told me. is why like, things, but Good, yeah.
0: Sorry, what's
5: it? So, what? Sort
1: of like how decolonization played a role in like, sort of forming an Algerian identity and like, sort of our uh, organization and the American structure. Yeah. Okay, so why Babluwad? First of all, um, initially what I wanted to do, initially I was a bit um, over-ambitious and I wanted to do a comparison, a comparative study based on ethnographic fieldwork. I had a year to do it and I wanted to do six months in a in a working class neighbourhood and six months in a middle class neighbourhood. So I was thinking of El Biar or Hidra somewhere else in Al- in Algiers, um, and I, I just really quickly realised that it wasn't going to be possible. Um, that I just I you know only one person and I didn't have enough time to to really get into the social fabric to to you know to to do the activities which would mean that that I was kind of accepted as you know as, as somebody who was. Who had good intention and and who could be trusted Um, it takes a long time to do ethnographic fieldwork so I just didn't really have the time to 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 do two neighborhoods and I just I looked at other working-class neighborhoods I looked at um, Belcourt as well I went to both of them and I just I just liked Bevelwood more basically that's why I decided (laughs) to do it there to be honest Um, I thought that also spatially Bevelwood was was a more interesting place to work because it's it's uh, as far as street plans and space goes it's, it's much more imbricated but of course it's very linear it's all kind of along one big main drag and I thought that it would be perhaps easier to access by the word, because there's more kind of points of so uh, yeah so I, I I just kind of started to go to a cafe I joined a gym um, I joined the youth centre and just kind of started to not the official youth centre because actually isn't there isn't one in by word, but um, decolonisation uh I think that obviously I mean obviously decolonisation is massively important for creating an Algerian identity um, the sense of national pride of having you know defeated France um, um, is, is massive um, but decolonization I think also more than creating a, a national identity it also predisposed Algeria towards a socialist system as well um, I think that the the leveling that was caused by settler colonialism in the countryside um, that There was a, a social leveling that was caused by that, um, because of the massive poverty that that created. A social leveling, which, and then also the, the, the kind of the roots of the Algerian nationalist movement in Algerians who had migrated to France and were working in French factories, also kind of were in contact with that kind of trade unionism and socialism th- of the time, and this kind of predisposed Algerian nationalism to to use socialism as a way of of meeting the challenges that everybody knew lay beyond beyond independence.
6: Oh no Ahal Society for Algerian Studies Uh, Thank you very much Ed for a fascinating talk Apologies for coming slightly late Um, You sort of self-corrected on two occasions When you referred to Arab state, the MENA state Federal, some people like federal I was wondering if you picked up on anything Though you're confined to one neighbourhood On uh, ethnic cleavages on the ground And just a comment if I may Um, On the point of quality of education That the lady alluded to uh, earlier um, just through my time in Algeria, speaking to people, many people who are on the ground will be very familiar with this. And it's not just a case of quality of education. Um, you also spoke about the yardstick that by, by which we judge or sort of uh, um, value or estimate, or estimate the values of the, of the so-called so, so status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think society needs to take a look at itself as well. And co- I mean, corruption is rampant, not, not only at the top, but of course throughout society. And one thing I did find, um, and I was shocked personally if somebody hadn't been for a couple of years uh, last summer, was the amount of university lecturers that I found were um, sort of putting on a bad show at the universities and very happy to to take things up on on a private one-to-one or one-to-three or one-to-four in dodgy, informal backyards and garages. So I think corruption is is, is a big thing that needs to be eradicated. Unfortunately, there was a gentleman in 92 that tried, and... um, uh, the rest of this history, but
1: thank you very much yeah off the back of that I'd like to say that education um, um, I kind of forgot to say this before but I think that the, the decline in, in educational standards I mean I don't know I've never seen any statistics actually to this is a perceptional thing right I've never seen any statistics which kind of which point to the fact that of whether alge- education is worse than it is but um, than it was um, I think one of the major factors, in, in, in if there has been an educational decline, is that, is that a lot of university professors and teachers left during the 1990s. Actually, mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily to do with Arabization. Um, I think that, it, that, that there, was a massive, there was a massive brain drain in the 90s. Can I just touch on, on one question? Uh, not directly to mm-hmm. Ed, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> you, know, you could ask me if you could put i And it I'd, also, I'd also like to say as well that, that, it, that the Algerian education system, at least at university level, I don't think it's that bad. Um, you know Algeria produces you know graduate univ- undergraduate um, university graduates who are highly prepared uh, highly formed um, know what they 're talking about they know their subjects very well and 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 also they get their university education for free, which is more than you can say for this country
5: um,
1: but but ethnic ethnic differences um, no i didn 't notice that i don 't i think that I think that the whole—I mean, I—I I wasn't doing my research in Cabili, so so I, I can't really—I can't, I can't really talk about it. There were a lot of people from, of Kabyl origin, obviously, in Bevel-Wed, um from 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 very early on, um, from from um, you know the end of the late colonial period and 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 beyond. Um, but I didn't—it—it it, it wasn't a big, very few people used the ethnic and the religious paradigms that emerged, the identity paradigms that emerged during the 80s and 90s to criticise the 70s. There were a, a few people who were really into their Kabyle identity who said that, you know, Burmadian had cancelled concerts and didn't allow people to speak Berber, etc. But most people weren't really bothered about it. And very few people also religiously, in religious terms, described socialism as being something antithetical to God or something antithetical to religion. Um, and, and I think this marks... I think this marks the fact that actually the younger generation is kind of again, like I was trying to uh, allude to before, is somewhat over these kind of identity paradigms that we used in the 80s and 90s along ethnic and religious lines. And I think that I think that, that there's a harking back to the old social justice issues, which I think is is, is, is interesting. Zina. Zina uh, Blažević, Society for Engineering Studies. It's not a question,
3: just a, a comment on the gentleman's. Uh, phrase that uh, French is modernity and Arabic and, sure. uh, I, I speak as a linguist, I'm not politic, I mean not a politician uh, I think the problem as you said, it has nothing to do with Arabic yeah. itself, not with the language it's with the way and the, the way uh, it was taught mm-hmm. and by whom it was taught mm-hmm. we all know in the 60s mm-hmm. that p- imported teachers who could apparently yeah. take degrees and just bombarded in Algeria to teach Arabic uh, what happened, uh, the problem, like in most countries or in the world, politicians make decisions about education, and that's the disaster. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, also French and Arabic in Algeria is a French heritage. If you don't speak French, you're not a modern person, and then Arabic was not was forbidden from, uh, was not taught in Algeria during all the time of the French occupation, mm. uh, and only the privileged could go to school, which was obviously French, mm. uh, French, uh, French oh, sorry, yeah, so it was taught only in French. Mm. So, and then the bit of Arabic, I think, some people say, was well, just uh, dialect, Algerian Arabic taught in some just mm. spoken by. So that's why Alge- uh, Arabic is not of uh, the standard it should be in Algeria not because and I think now even French is, has the same as I said, the same fate and so is English So
1: and the same fate as?
3: as Arabic standard yeah. so, with the new generation, I, the lady talked about the people born from uh, in the 80s uh, and post 80s can't speak French properly anyway, I think. They don't speak Arabic, they don't speak French. And when they mentioned, there were years ago when the government wanted to introduce English into primary schools uh, in, to replace French. Uh, a friend of mine who's a linguist in Algerian University published uh, an article in the newspaper saying uh, we're trilingual uh, mm, yeah this that is, the, this is the case, I
1: think, very yeah. commonly used phrase yeah. would, I, would you like a comment or just very briefly I think that, that I think you're right and I think that, that the same dynamic is being reproduced with Berber um with Berber languages you know in schools you're having the introduction in the in the, in the kind of the the willingness to include more more languages uh, and, and to, to kind of to be more inclusive um, and to to include the languages that are spoken by 25-30% of the, of, the, <laughs> of the country's population what they've done in order to do that is create a standardised tamazift which is exactly like standard Arabic which is now being taught to Berber kids all over the country and you know it's reproducing that, that difference between, between the language that's just taught at home and the language that's just being being taught at school which, which seems to be, to be massively problematic
3: um, I argued years ago in a paper that, uh, that Arabic in primary school in Algeria was the first foreign language children were taught mm-hmm. because it was completely different although well, actually l- having said that sorry I'm not in, in I'm not saying that uh, Devjah should be taught in schools because especially done now I think it just sort of will calm we be saying, <laughs> for the level of, mm. of uh, languages in, in, the country,
2: mm-hmm. in the country okay
0: now, um, you, sir.
2: Ed, accepting what you were saying about um, uh, your caution about extrapolating from one district, hmm. um, did the patterns you identified suggest, however tenuous, sort of implications for the present or for the future?
1: What do you mean? Sorry, don't.
2: Like, uh, societal or political challenges that might be brewing because of what you're seeing.
1: Um, hmm. Um, I think again, not necessarily to do with my own research, but what I—nothing not, that I wrote about and wasn't necessarily linked to it, but just observations that I that I have. Um, so they're they're fairly unprocessed. And they're not terribly kind of well thought through, maybe. But um, I did see a younger generation, and I did have a lot of contact with the younger generation of um, which was very alienated from politics, and which. Didn't have any faith in political parties or traditional forms of political reform or political contestation. Even <laughs> um, that would never go on a march for anything, um, and that just didn't really care because they knew, and they, obviously, well, they, they knew they 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 expressed very much that that they would never be able to change anything, that nothing would ever change. That Algeria tried had the Arab world's most profound revolution in 19, in 19, from 1954 to 1962, and still the military dominates mm-hmm. and. You know, still there's no kind of popular participle, uh, participation in 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 governments, no political accountability. But the Algerian Algerian society tried again in 1988, and it didn't change anything. So there's very much a sense that um, political change isn't possible, um, at least through through kind of through through conventional forms of political contestation. And I think that what young people were doing, I think, was I think this, this often is where you get the trauma and the kind of the, 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 the very kind of negative views of Algerian society as being dead, as being something where everyone's apathetic, where nothing is going to happen, you know, it's the land that the Arab Spring forgot. Um, and, and I think those are really pessimistic. I saw a younger generation which was incredibly well prepared, which still very much believed in those principles of social justice and equality. Um, and really did want to change things but just didn't want to change them through traditional means they just wanted to people just wanted to live their daily lives and put those principles into the practice in their daily lives where they could you know not 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 kind of not um, not um, you know through traditional kind of from above kind of trying to affect trying to affect change from above above but but from below on the ground and, and opening up new spaces of expression um, making rap groups or kind of like, or, or different types of, new, putting on music concerts, like going to a closed down cinema and negotiating with it and saying, we want to put on a music concert, let's get loads of people in here, and then, and, and, and you know, new spaces like that, like that opening up. And I saw actually a youth that was really, really dynamic, and it's not at all traumatised and not at all, um, not at all doesn't bear the same burden of the 1990s as the generation that went before it. And I think that was really encouraging, and that's something that I would underline that, that Algeria is not a dead space, um, and that, that there's a lot of dynamism and, and hope that comes from it.
0: And thank you very, very much indeed. I'm very pleased that we were able to uh, <laughs> and get you to come and talk about your research. I've been a very wicked chairman in many ways and one of the ways in which <laughs> I've been wicked is, is to give away the piece of paper on which the details of the Middle East Centre's next meeting is written. So um so, 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 I'll just content myself with saying that the Middle East Centre holds an endless stream of fascinating meetings and just consult the website. They, they, they come thick and fast. The Algerian Society's next meeting is going to happen Um, in December when we have Malika Rabai Ma'amri from the Institute of Political Studies in Algiers coming to launch her new book on citizenship in Algiers which is being published by IV Taris. So everybody come along I think it's the 2nd of December but once again check the website (laughs) and thank you all for coming. Thank you.